Welcome back to Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. We are recording via Zoom today. How are you, Chuck? I'm great. What you munching on there? Uh, some granola I made. Oh, you made granola. I'm impressed. Yeah, I, you know, it's really easy. It is easy, isn't it? And it's healthier. You know what's in it. It's a very good thing. My wife had this recipe, and I was skeptical as well. But man, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is really fantastic. Well, so, good. If you, if you can take a moment away from that yummy, delicious granola and talk about what else might have impressed us, let's just start right off with Elvis. Okay. You That's, take it away. You saw it a while ago. I did, but you know, it really stuck with me. And I was very um, um, suspect about this movie because I do not like Bob Lerman as oh. a director. Okay. Um, I think I don't think that directors should always be calling attention to themselves, and that's what he does constantly. It's like you are fully aware that a the film that he you are watching is being directed by someone, and it's being directed by him. Okay. It's like look at what I can do. Look at the camera movement I can make. Look at the you know elaborate visual thing I can make. Look at how quick I can edit. It's like you know it's it's too self conscious, but. I have to say, I think his approach is perfect yeah. for bringing Elvis Presley's life to the big screen, because obviously Elvis's life was bigger than life. Uh, it was an event in many ways. And I think that most of the time during this film, Lerman's approach perfectly suits what you want to get across as far as the story is concerned. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, you always have to be suspect of the unreliable narrator. And I thought it was interesting that Colonel Parker, played by Tom Hanks, is the one narrating, telling us this story from his deathbed of all places. And the whole thing is him trying to justify that he's not such a bad guy. He really liked Elvis, really loved him, didn't really screw over him that bad. And here's why I did what I did. And keeping in mind that he's telling the story, you have to excuse certain things as far as the fact that I wish that there had been more with Elvis and Priscilla, but the Colonel probably wasn't privy to those things. So we don't get as much of that as I would like. Um, you also have to keep in mind that this guy was a huckster, a promoter, uh, a, a con man. A and so when he thinks through his eyes, it's always um, extravagant, over the top because he's always promoting. Uh, but the interesting thing about this is, is that even though he's telling the story, when Austin Butler shows up, there's that human connection that runs throughout the film. And it gets away, it, it, we tear away all the artifice. Because this kid, God damn, this kid is so good. I was so impressed with him. And he, like I say, he's the heartbeat of this film. Amidst all of this, you know, over-the-top shit, He's the one you watch because he portrays Elvis. And I've been reading a great biography of him as well. He portrays Elvis as this shy kid, very naive, very kind. And he's swept away by this whirlwind. And even towards the end, you get the sense that there's still that naivete, that kindness there, despite everything that's happened to him. And really, by the end of this film, it struck me what a tragedy this whole thing yeah. was. Yeah. I, I, I didn't expect to be moved by the end of this film, but damn if I wasn't. Right. Um, 
so I think it's quite a trick that Lerman somehow or another is able to stick to his razzle-dazzle approach, yet there's still that emotional through line there that kept me hooked. Now, I know you're not a big fan of long movies, and neither am I, but I didn't feel that the two-hour, 40-minute running time was excessive given what they were trying to do. I, I am going to disagree with you on that one. I think that there could have been. I would like to have taken my virtual scissors and done a little snipping along the way. Um, <clears throat> I think it's hard for someone like Lorman. I don't know how much he, control he had in the editing room. I am going to guess he had a lot. And you don't want to kill your darlings. And I think he sees everything that he does as being quite darling. Um, but, what, but, but what do you cut off out? I mean, some, some of the guy's life. Some of the Vegas stuff could have been condensed. Um, I, I found myself thinking ahead and thinking of other things when I was watching that. That was too large of a, a segment, granted. It did answer one of my questions. I actually visited Graceland in um, 1975 or six. I don't remember, um, I think I was 12 or 13 right, years right old. before he died. Yeah, and um, I was like, well, why isn't he living here? I didn't know. Well, he was doing his residency in Vegas at that point. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was kind of cool. My parents were huge Elvis fans. You know, they were born in the 1920s, just a you know mm -hmm. decade or so before Elvis. And so they were huge fans of his. And I went along, not a huge fan, knew who he was. I mean, everybody knew who he was. And um, saw Grayson and that still sticks in my mind. And I still have the photos in a photo album, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. This Austin Butler, man, I mean, he is the embodiment of Elvis. He is absolutely incredible. His voice, his speaking style, his mannerisms, he becomes Elvis. And I'm not going to give anything away here. Everyone knows how the story ends. Um, but that final scene, I'm still not 100% positive if that was Elvis or if that was Butler. That was real. That was real footage of the real Elvis. Oh my God. Okay. So that was crazy. That was crazy. I couldn't tell the difference between the two. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I, what, the other thing that I'm amazed about, and yes, I agree with you with the whole, um, we learned so much about Elvis and to be able to tell this from Colonel Parker's perspective and yet still get that humanity from Elvis is quite a feat. Um, maybe Lerman has, has toned things down a little bit, but still kept that signature style of the flair and that those, those sharp edits, those quick edits that typically will bother me in some of his movies and other movies mm -hmm. as well. But in this case, it works. And right. telling, you know, two simultaneous stories going on, um, you know, with, with what's happening with Butler and what's happening with Elvis and they overlap and go back and forth could have been very confusing. I can't imagine what that looked like in the script, but it works on the screen. Incredible it's story. Mother-son story, oh my gosh. And you know, I yeah. think people talk about the Priscilla story and yes, we know about that, but I didn't know he was a mama's boy. He was a true oh, southern oh, mama's boy. Oh, and yes. with her passing, it crushed him and mm -hmm. devastated. And I think that was really a crossroads in his life as to, to where he was allowed to be led. I think his mother, even with her drinking problem and other issues, um, kept, him, kept his keel straight. You know, mm -hmm. he knew which direction he was supposed to go. And, you know, God had a big, big factor in this. And he's, he was very much of a Christian. And then his, his black um, roots, if you will, because he was raised in the black community, yeah. the black church and the culture, the music with that. I learned so much about him that 
yeah, that humanity comes across. I, I can't believe how much I loved this movie, but it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm reading uh, Last Train to Memphis by Peter Gerlinick. Mm-hmm. This is a two volume Elvis biography, and I've wanted to read it for a long time. It's been out for years. It's the definitive story. And I'm telling you, it is fascinating. And the film got me excited again about the story. Like you, I thought I knew it. But there were so many tidbits along the way. It was like, oh, my God, that makes sense now. You know, and we need to talk about Tom Hanks real quick. Oh. Um, I was really suspect when I saw the preview. I'm like, what is he doing with his voice? What is this all about? But we get the explanation in the film. And that I thought was fascinating as well. I had no idea that this guy, and I don't want to give anything away, was, I mean, I knew he was a crook, but my yeah. God, that his illusion went so far back and so deep. I mean, it was, that was just astounding to me. Uh, Hanks doesn't get lost in the latex. <clears throat> uh, you know, and it's interesting. He kind of plays this guy, you know, you don't want to play him as a villain. Uh, but he plays him with like a twinkle in his eye throughout the entire film. And, and, and I think that he doesn't, he, he still, you know, he still comes off as a villain, no matter what you do. But it's, it's a really wonderful performance. Um, you know, and I've said before, Hank recently hasn't been nominated for performances he should have, I think, because we take him for granted. Right. Uh, and it might be the same thing here, though I'm hoping that by the end of the year, the momentum for this thing builds again. Uh, if not for anything to just get this kid a nomination. Oh I my God. I, I, unreal. That's the part I'm a little confused about in all honesty. Why is this coming out in June? This should be October, November, because this to me is a, a huge nomination for so many different Academy yeah. Awards and Critics' Choice. I can't imagine why they chose to have it come out in the summer. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just hoping it hits. I'm hoping that people uh, go and see this film. You know, it is one, even though it's not a big spectacle, it's still a film I think you need to see in the theater. Oh my gosh, um, it, absolutely. With, with, with the, I mean, you just are lost in the story. And I think to be lost or enveloped by it, you need to see it on a big screen. Um, I am so glad, even though I know I was bitching and moaning the whole way up while I was driving. I did not see this with the critics. I chose to see it um, with the public at an early screening. Um, and uh, it was, it, I'm just so glad that I was in the big theater. Although I could have done without the 13 minute featurette beforehand. Well, I didn't see that, but again, seeing it in a theater, not simply for the visuals, but for the good sound system yeah. as well. And it reminded me, you know, it reminded me of how much I like the music. And a lot, for a long time, I dismissed the music. I was really? like, oh, this is, this is simple stuff, no big deal. But when you go back and listen to it, it's a bit more complex than you realize. But also like this film, there's a purity to it, that early stuff that you, where, where it's just him. And, you, and you, you pull through that enthusiasm out of the music. I've been driving poor Grant, my son, crazy because I'm playing it all the time at dinner now. Uh, <laughs> and it reminded me of just how good this stuff really was. And, um, but again, I, I think the thing that, I, that took, I took away from and was just so surprised was just how it, in the end, this reminds me of what the tragedy of it was and, and how moved I was. I didn't expect to be so emotionally invested. Right. And in the historical aspect, he did influence future generations of music and what we listen to today. 
um, mm -hmm. blending in that that blues that and, and the the black culture with their music and then bringing and, it in. And I'm really glad that they 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 recognize that. Yeah, that yeah, that's and the where fact, the music comes from. Right, and the fact that he made music off of other black musicians' yeah. music because he could because he was white. Right, and they mention that again and again, which is good. And I yeah. love the moment he has a couple moments of BB King as well. Right, which are really interesting too. Did and you realize that BB King is played by Calvin Harris? Calvin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. what yeah. a great actor he is. I wanted so more of him, him actually. I yeah. wanted more of him. Uh, but then, you know, even if you don't know much, you see, you know how their careers diverge. Not that BB King didn't have a great career, but it certainly didn't reach, wasn't allowed to reach. Right. You know, the, the links that, that Elvis has did. But yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I you know how busy I am. But I will take the time to go see this again in the theater. I really, really liked it. Good, good. I'm glad. So high recommendations from both Chuck and I. So go check out Elvis playing in theaters this weekend. See it on the big mm -hmm. screen. Do not yes. wait for it to come to your home theater. See it on the big screen. Wow. How many times have we said that lately? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Quite well, at least once. Yeah. For what? Yeah. Top Gun. Okay. Okay. Yep. Oh, did you see? That did you see that Austin Butler is going to be in Dune too? Yes. Okay. Yes, and and he's the villain. Oh. Okay. He's, the, he's playing the guy who uh, Sting played in the original. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I read an interview. He's. I read an interview. Apparently, he's practicing all of his knife moves now to get ready. Okay. Very good. Very good. And I apologize for the background noise. Louis apparently wants my attention. And so he's whining at me. So if you mm -hmm. hear a little whining, it's not anything wrong with your audio. It's something wrong with my dog. <laughs> um, hey, let's talk about good luck to you, Leo Grand. Yeah, um, this is one that you really, really liked. I like it as well. We saw it uh, via Sundance. Um, yeah, take it away. Okay, um, this is written by Katie Brand and directed by Sophie Hyde. And the reason why I'm gonna start with that is because I don't know that a male writer and director could have pulled this one off. Um, it stars Emma Thompson as Nancy. She's an uptight 55 year old um, former school teacher. I think Catholic school teacher, if I remember, it's been a few months since I've seen the movie. Um, and she has lost her husband. And she's kind of lost her way and she really would like to one day have an orgasm. <laughs> Sounds kind of crazy and raunchy. Um, and she hires this sex worker. Um, uh, his name is Leo Grand, obviously. And that's played by Daryl McCormack, young, handsome, confident man who um, comes into her hotel room that she ends up renting on a monthly basis. And she finds uh, not just companionship and finding out how to have all these, this list of, of sexual acts that she would like to experience because she had a pretty dull and boring sex life with her husband. Um, but she also finds, I think this is more of a therapeutic session. Um, Leo listens, Leo hears her. Leo has the confidence of a 70 year old who's experienced life from a different perspective and helps Nancy navigate the waters of her new life as a widow and a mother who loves her children, her adult children, but maybe is disappointed in many ways um, and maybe disappointed in herself and her ability as a mother. Wow, this was to me a really 
raw and powerful film. And I don't think that women at this age of life, I'm 58, <laughs> are ever portrayed in this very, I mean, I'm gonna use the word raw again, this very raw stage of who we are and who vulnerable. we become. Huh? How about vulnerable? Vulnerable is a very perfect word to use, very vulnerable. And <clears throat> speaking of vulnerable, I mean, Emma Thompson puts it all out there. She is vulnerable. And um, we see who she really is and, and how that affects us all. I loved it. It feels like a play. It could be easily a yes. stage play. Yes. Um, and the cinematography in this is never overwhelming, but brings you into that hotel room. I think we're in the hotel room all but one scene in the entire mm -hmm. movie. So this could have been something really raunchy and, and kitschy, but it was absolutely not. I read an interview with her in the New York Times, and apparently she said being nude in the film was the most terrifying thing she'd ever done. And I can understand that. Oh my gosh, yeah. And apparently uh, one or two days during the rehearsal process, she and McCormick were completely nude. They just did everything naked just to kind of get, you know, acclimated in this whole thing. And right. yeah, go ahead. And it wasn't just she and McCormick. It was also the director, Sophie Hyde. She wanted to be just as oh. as them. So she okay, also good. naked just to say, hey, it's okay. We're all people. I'm going to put myself in your position so that you know that I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't ask myself to do. Didn't know that. Class act. Yeah. Class yeah. act. Um, yeah, you know, you say this, you know, that, um, it is, I, I hate to use this term, it is a woman's picture, a woman's film. But that doesn't mean that I didn't get something out of it. Because really, this is about this poor woman getting out of her comfort zone. And not even her comfort zone, but really out of a cage that she's put herself in emotionally. Right. Um, and it's fascinating how these two learn about each other and how she wants to know about him uh, personally. And she, he's like, no, 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 that's not, not what this is all about. And yet those walls break down and... You really like both of these people. You really do. And that's so important here. I mean, like you say, this could have been salacious. This could have been, you know, if you, you I'm sure this movie could have been made with uh, Joan Collins back in the day and it would have been a completely different thing. Uh, but that's not what this is. This is about this woman trying to find the way to living the best years of her life with the years that she has left. And it's not about sex. It's not about sex. It's about being able to open up. It's about being a brave and saying, hey, this is what I need to be happy and going out and getting it. That's really what I took away from the film. It's, you know, getting over that fear and using that time to, you know, because we all deserve to be happy. I mean, even in the, in the smallest way. So, yeah, it, it, that's what I took from the movie. And uh, I love the fact that it's a little over 90 minutes as well. Okay. We're not messing around here. It's boom, 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 boom. And it just kept me engaged from the very first point, more, yeah. moment. It was, and speaking of the very, very first, as I was watching this, I was like, oh God, don't go. No, you're not. Yes, you are going to do. Oh my God. It was, it was very uncomfortable. I was as uncomfortable yeah. as the character of Nancy was in this situation. And then as she became more comfortable, I became more comfortable. It was almost like I was living exactly what she was doing to a certain point. 
Um, and it's it's almost like a coming of age movie, if you will, for Nancy. Both, yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. That's I think a good more way so of putting for Nancy it. than than for Leo. Oh, sure. um, I mean, he grows too, but not exponentially like Nancy does. And it's a metaphor. No, it's, it's her movie. It, it is, and she's yeah. she's like a, a a caterpillar in a cocoon. And by the end, there is definitely a metamorphosis, and she's a butterfly. And you can find this on Hulu. Uh, I did read that there is one problem, though, that, you know, um, in order to be, apparently the uh, uh, rules for the Oscars have changed again. Uh -huh. uh, and so in order to be eligible, the film has to be in the theaters for at least one week. I'm hoping by the end of the year, they put this in theaters at least one week, just so Thompson could be eligible because, yeah, this is a great performance and she deserves to be, you know, um, recognized for it. Absolutely. I completely agree. Let's talk about a, a performance that perhaps we're a little shocked by. And uh, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what you thought of Jerry and Marge Go Large, which is available on Paramount TV. Paramount TV. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jerry and Marge Go Large is fine. It's fine. Okay. But I don't think that any painter, songwriter, sculptor, filmmaker ever shoots for fine when they're working on something you know uh based on a true story uh this is about two retirees jerry and marge played by brian cranston and um annette benning um and uh he's retired jerry's retired and he doesn't know what to do he is just you know he's a guy who has to have routine he's wandering around he's kind of aimless uh but he's a numbers guy he's a genius with numbers and one day he's sitting around at a local gas station and he looks at a lottery card, flips it over and just starts looking at the odds and the rules of things. And he finds a loophole, apparently. Apparently, there is a time in the lottery when if no one wins the big prize, they then roll it over. And if you don't have all the numbers, if you have three numbers, you win some. If you have two numbers, you win some and so on. And he figures that when that happens, you can actually buy more tickets then hmm, if, you, if you buy enough tickets, you can win more than you spent. Basically, that's the long and short of it. Uh, so he just tries this, and I'll be darned if it doesn't work. And he tries again, and gosh darn, it does work. And he's in a town in Michigan that's dying, uh, and he decides to help his friends, and they form a corporation in which they all buy shares in the corporation. They contribute money because the more tickets they buy, the more they're going to win. And uh, the lottery shuts down in Michigan, this particular lottery, but they find one in Massachusetts that does the same thing. So he and his wife and their marriage has gone cold, drive to Massachusetts once a month to do this. And they stay in the hotel room and the count card and, the and, it's, uh, and it's fine and they win and they, you know, it's fine. The movie's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's not great. It's not bad. It's fine. And I kept thinking, you know, if Frank Capra had this, oh. it would have been a completely different thing. You, you need a sense of whimsy here. You need a, a little sense of eccentricity here. You need a, a sense of, you need a jolt of some sort. <laughs> you need something, yeah. It's, you know, and if you, this, this is beneath Benning and Cranston. This is beneath them. How did they get Benning and Cranston? Well, and I, if this is the type you know, when we talk about this, you know, people age out of things. If this is the type of scripts that are being presented to them, this is all they can get. That's a real shame. That would definitely be a real shame because these two are incredible actors who have so much more potential than 
left in their lives. I mean, they're older, but there are plenty of older roles maybe, or maybe they're not, and there need to be more because this, to me, this was a Hallmark movie for old people. So if you enjoy Hallmark movies, this is right up your alley. Oh my goodness, the directing on this was was non-existent. Oh, it was no, no, it was there because you could see them going long takes, oh. smiling, and it's like, oh my god, really? Is this what we're doing here? And every everything was very one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, the script, uh, <clears throat> I say it was fine. I think it was subpar. Um, I think only if you like the Hallmark kinds of movies are you going to enjoy this movie. This was well, and I kept. And I kept thinking, had this been made in the 30s and 40s, because this is what, in my mind, this is where that, those, that kind of sensibility, this kind of story was, you know, more popular, it would have been a different thing. But it just, it just doesn't play. It yeah. just doesn't play. And it, it uh -oh. just needs a little bit more grit and reality to it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the villains that emerge are, you know, kind of throw away from central casting villains as well. It didn't really need it. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's not. So <laughs> I say skip it. Don't waste your time. I, yeah. I did suffer through it. I wanted to turn it off after the about first 30 minutes. I thought this is not going to get any better. But because we're going to talk about it today, I did watch the rest of it. My husband bolted after about 15 minutes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I think, is that about it? I know we, we do have only murders in the building, but I don't know if the embargo has lifted. So when I find that out, it will be on our website, Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. We also have a giveaway and we do not have the winner's names yet. So when we get those, we will post those on social media. Correct, Chuck, because you will be in charge of that. I will do so. Um, by the way, I finished Severance. Okay, okay. What the fuck? Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you just finish it? <clears throat> yeah, I just finished it the other night. Okay. And uh, like I say, I was about to give up on it on episode three or four because I'm like, where are they going with this? I mean, you know, it is really a slow burn thing. But then, boy, something clicked. And that, that twist that they had, which opens everything up. You know, I, I don't, I can't remember a TV show that I watched that has put me in such a melancholy, disturbed mood as this. <laughs> it, it, it's just so subversive the way it just creeps in on you. And I just, I just felt, I feel uncomfortable watching. <laughs> and there's no monsters. It's not a horror film. It's not a horror TV series, but it's just so- Psychologically horrifying. Creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm really anxious to you both talk about cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, all three of these characters, all four of the, the main characters are just up in the air at the end here and uh, really anxious to see how this whole thing uh, resolves. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Severance yet, be patient because the payoff is there. Yeah, on Apple TV Plus. And um, <clears throat> now you understand why I was so excited when it was greenlit for season two. Well, how could they not? I mean, but yeah, thank know. goodness they had, thank goodness they had apparently enough eyes on it that they could, they could do that. But uh, right. yeah, it's, yeah, now what do we do? All right. Well, that kind of wraps it up for this week, right? Anything else that I you want to share? So. 
All right. Tune in um, next week for another episode of Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. Make sure you check out our website, social media, Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. You'll find winners there. You'll find all sorts of information and updates about all the movies and TV series. We've expanded, Chuck, coming out. Yes, we have. 